Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined, as always, by Michael. Hello, everybody. It's me, your favorite flight tracker. Just uh, checking out flightaware.com, making sure there's not anything I'm, I'm missing. Don't want to leave you guys out of, this, of the loop at all. Tracking flights and coach search situations is so much fun. It is. It's. It means nothing. Probably. No, I don't no. know. There's so much speculation and conjecture as to why anyone's going anywhere, who's going said places, why they're only staying there for 40 minutes and coming back, all that kind of fun stuff. Why there is a flight plan scheduled from Fort Worth to Lubbock to Pullman, but that means nothing. Of I course mean, not. And then right back to Lubbock tonight. And then back to Fort Worth. Yeah, that means nothing. Getting in at 2.30 in the morning. But? Only staying in Pullman for two hours, I believe. I mean, you got to go hit the bars in Pullman, man. That's, yeah, that's the thing to do. It's a hot spot. Like I told someone on Twitter, it's just beautiful this time of year in Pullman. I bet. You just You just need to go in, get off the plane, smell the trees, get back on the plane and go. That's all you need. Just a couple Think about of having, breaths of fresh air. Having that kind of money, you you, you like you decide in the afternoon, like, hey man, let, let's hit the bars tonight in uh, in Boston. Okay, and then we just do it. Voila! You just <laughs> schedule you you make a, will, you make a phone call. I'll get the jet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so since we last left you, obviously big things have changed at the football training facility for Texas Tech. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury has been let go. Um, There's a press conference. What was that? Sunday afternoon? Yep. Sunday at 2 p.m. 2. That's right. At 2 with Kirby Hocutt. Um, The official site posted the story on the website on on, on, uh, Sunday at 1. The leak, as much as we hated it, actually turned out to be true from that San Antonio affiliate um yeah that cbs station that that uh jumped the gun a little jay leeson had figured out that that the reporter who broke the story on saturday had some kind of source in the legal counsel office at texas tech and they were going reviewing kingsbury's contract for termination and that's how he'd heard about it and that's where the break came um so we are day two of full-time coach search. Yep. 
Hocutt said in his press conference um, several times, maybe even with a little bit of uh, anxiety and like, I need to start this, uh, said, as soon as I leave this room, I'm going to start the coaching search. And I will do that for every waking minute until I have us a new coach. And the, the press conference came to a mysterious end. Um, it ended very abruptly because I, I did not hear Giovanetti in the background say that, that was going to be done. The video just cut off. Um, and we haven't seen or heard from Hokut since. No. He vanished. Like he, it, fart into in the thin wind. air. Into thin air. <laughs> the man has just buried himself into this endeavor. Which that's what he said he would do. And it's and it's kinda what you want your A D to do. Eerily quiet. There haven't been any oh, like, yeah. like actual news reports or like leaks. Cause you'd expect, um, you know, if I am a reporter covering, I'm going to use West Virginia as an example. If I'm covering West Virginia and I know that Texas Tech has interest in hiring or interviewing Dana Holgerson, the usual process is um, the AD at Texas Tech is going to contact the AD at West Virginia and ask for permission to contact Holgerson. Well, if I'm a reporter covering West Virginia, I'm trying really hard to pronounce that R in Virginia. <laughs> I'm going to be asking all my contacts in the athletic department. Has Kirby Hocutt made contact with the athletic department? And that's usually where, ooh, uh, we know that Dana Holgerson is interviewing for Texas Tech or whatever. Canada X is interviewing for said job. That's usually where it's coming from. Reporters keeping up with their sources in the athletic department saying, hey, this school that's looking for a head coach has contacted our, our department looking to interview somebody here. We haven't heard that. No, we've, we have heard a lot of speculation. There's been a lot of tweets with a lot of sources, the strange, right. And strangely enough, most of what we've heard that seems to have any weight behind it are people saying no, or people saying that they're not interested. Those have come directly from some of these or have they potential- said no or have they said no right because you can really analyze a couple of these statements to see that they didn't technically say no which we'll get into they in a just bit. implied it yeah but you're right Hocut has has uh he's gone underground he has um before we get into that we've got we've got an intro topic to bring up with you guys and i, I teased it on twitter yesterday and if you were if you were looking forward to hearing about it today, I disappointed you. Because obviously the first thing you heard was my voice and not a not an advertiser, a sponsor. Um when I did some more research and I actually got the uh the advertising campaign, all that kind of stuff back after I'd accepted it, I looked at it, and it was from UNC Grad Service. I was like, I don't know what that is but cool. I'll look into it because I needed to know, excuse me, if I needed to do anything on my end, one, after I accepted the, the advertising campaign to actually start placing these ads or were the place automatically when I upload it into the host. And so I, I, I go back and look at it and it's from the university of Northern Colorado. I was like, huh? 
The what? Bears. I wonder how they got a hold of this. Oh, I bet I know. I bet they have some kind of skimming service where they are not listening, but they will pick up any time that the phrase University of Northern Colorado or Northern Colorado Bears or whatever gets picked up. They're alerted to saying, okay, this, this podcast has mentioned you. you know, this would fit your d- demographic. Anyway, so the, the copy of the ad was basically promoting their, their grad school. Which we don't doubt is a great school. Yeah, it, it's probably fantastic. But Michael and I both agreed. It's like, well, we're not sure what kind of impact it would have to turn down our first ad sponsor opportunity. But this one didn't feel right. Yeah, we thought about it more and thought it would be kind of strange if the first thing you heard before a Texas Tech sports podcast was an advertisement for another university. Not even in the state. The, and the other thing was in the copy that was at the, in the read, uh, I wouldn't have been doing it. It would have been somebody else. But it was talking about providing great educational opportunities for the citizens of, of Colorado. I was like... I don't know if we have. We may not have a lot of reach in Colorado up there, but hey, that's that's a good sign. And and this seemed more like a thing through Podbean, right? Where where you host the podcast itself. This was kind of just a voluntary. We could say yes or no to it. It's it's not like someone we we didn't reach out to someone. Someone didn't reach out to us. It was kind of done through the the right. service that hosts the podcast. So it wasn't. They have an ad. It wasn't like we were telling a person that called us yeah. wanting to sponsor our show that we to, that we said no. It was just more of a, oh, uh, no thanks. We're not a good fit. No, what it is is, is I, I submitted the podcast for consideration in the ad marketplace on Podbean, which means anybody that wants to place an ad can see all the available podcasts. And I'm sure there's some kind of algorithm where they can say, okay, I want to narrow it down to podcast with this this much reach and, and this area and blah 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 whatever we fit somehow into this advertising campaigns criteria they sent a proposal i accepted it and then i saw back more of the the details on it i was like we're not actually a good fit for this yeah so it didn't make any sense we didn't want to bombard you with some random ad just to collect a few bucks it would have been nice to make a little bit of money, but we're still having fun. It's not like we're we're losing money. No, no, we're we're breaking sort of even. Well, we're having fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, unfortunately, no. There's no advertising advertiser. There's no sponsor currently. If you're interested, though, reach out to us on Twitter at twenty three personnel at lsrr zero seven at punt suck, or you can email us. But get this, it's at come and talk at podcast. At gmail.com. You got to change that. I got to change the email. <laughs> Currently, it's still the original title of the podcast. Yep. Come and talk a podcast. Um, from there, since the regular season is has now come to a conclusion, we wanted to give one final wrap-up on fantasy. And this will be news to me because I haven't even checked my score. I was too wrapped up in, in sorrow. And yes, Labar, we're talking about our own personal fantasy it'll be quick it'll be quick labar just just bear with us so with a final season standing a record of seven and four i take down michael 
that there was supposed to be some kind of playoff, but that didn't really make sense. Cause we we're going to be head to head. Yeah. It's two people. Um, I would, if I had it pulled up, um, any better than me trying to do this on the fly and tell you what the, uh, like the, the season scoring. Cause while I, I've won seven weeks, I am, I have a sneaking suspicion that Michael probably had more points. Like he scored more points over the entire season than I did. I might be able to find that. Um, so yeah, that's probably, I mean, until Michael finds this last little bit of stats for you, we had a, it's really close. Okay. Let's hear it. Okay. Uh, you went seven and four and you scored 3,995 points. 3,995. I went four and seven and scored 3,932 points. <laughs> 60 so was, points. Yeah. Divided Just three victories. A, a decent day from Clayton Hatfield. And <laughs> and I would have had more points than you, but still three games back. That's that's how lopsided most of these were. The last couple of weeks, I think we were... Yeah. We were neck and neck here and there, but usually when one of us won, one of us won quite. It was big, extensively. Was big yeah. Win. All right. Um, because we have so much coaching stuff to talk about, like so much. We're gonna we're gonna t- touch on basketball. There hasn't been a game since we last spoke. There will be a game. Yeah, there was. Yes, there was. Northern Colorado. Because we did the post game pod, but we didn't talk about the basketball game really that night that I can think of. We may have brought it up, but it was Saturday after the Baylor game tech took down Northern Colorado, 93 to 62. And just kind of everybody played well. I think everyone got on the stat sheet and Kyler Edwards. I don't think he missed a shot. (laughs) Uh, My wife and daughter and I, we all went and we made it through halftime. And then we decided to head back Uh, parking is not ideal this year because of the construction they have going for the the new facility. So all the parking right next to the stadium is donor parking only. And so that means you've got to catch a bus west of UMC in that satellite satellite parking to get to the game. And the bus, I mean the bus ride to the stadium is probably at least 10 minutes. Uh, they take a really long route to get there. And then if you have to leave early because you have a child who's kind of ready to leave early, you've got to sit outside on a bus and wait until enough people get on the bus <laughs> for you to go back to your car. So the just getting to and from our car was probably a 30, 40-minute you know, ordeal. That wasn't great. Game was great. Atmosphere was fun. I did miss that with it being over the break, there was no band no cheerleaders. Uh, it was kind of well, no students, hardly. Because the football team, they probably oh, well, the, well, duh. the band and the the cheerleaders are probably with the football team. The students were in Dallas. I think it's a different. I think it's a different band, right? That plays at the. I mean, it, it's a smaller subset. It's of a the smaller band, subset of the same marching yeah. band. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know if it was one of the other, like, one of the other ensembles around campus or something. Anyway, we still enjoyed it. And uh, who we got coming up this week? Memphis on Monday. In Miami. In Miami. There's a lot of M's. Yeah. So 
uh, in terms of RPI, Texas Tech actually has skyrocketed. They are, I think it was top 20 this week. I think they jumped 100 points in the last week or so, which is phenomenal. It, I think a lot of it has to do with how with how well they performed in the tournament against USC and Nebraska. Nebraska has continued to look good since we beat them, which has been helping Texas Tech continue to rise. Mm-hmm. Um, Menf- the RPI for Memphis, I think, is in the 200s. So this game is actually going to hurt you even if you blow them out. But it is what it is. You were expecting them to be a lot better when you scheduled this game. Uh, you can't really do anything about it. You just go win the game. Tubby Smith, unfortunately, is not going to be there. P- Penny Hardaway, don't know much about him. Well, in that program, <laughs> uh, they lost. I think they lost some really key guys either because of Tubby or I just remember reading about the turmoil, how all that kind of ended. Because when you did schedule it, I, I think there was a lot more promise on this team. There were, I think, uh, some brothers that were supposed to come in, and they ended up not not going there. This is great because I don't I don't know what I'm talking about, but it, it seemed it seemed like it was going to be a you know Memphis was kind of set to do something a little bit this year, and then the coaching coaching turnover, and I think they lost a lot of recruits. I think before. Uh, Smith was actually let go. The The basketball team did jump up into the rankings this week. Uh, they are in the 16 to 20 range, depending on which service you look at. Um, I think they're continuing to impress and overperform initial expectations for this season, which is kind of hard to say because you went to the Elite Elite eight last year, and then you were picked eighth in the in the conference. Yeah, Wait, I mean it, it's still early. You haven't played any any conference games, um, but you're ranked in the top twenty currently. There's this new, interesting maybe ranking system that came out this year. The initial ranking it's called the what's it called the NCAA Net. Yep, uh, it is a a weighted system of like five different criteria. Although it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't take into effect strength of schedule as much as maybe some people would like, but it debuted Texas tech came in at number three on the first rankings, which I think has a lot to do with obviously being undefeated and then, beating all of your opponents by double digits this season so far. Today, without having played a game, they went from third to first. So they are currently number one to this new ranking. Yeah. Interested to see how this this plays out the rest of the season, if anybody pays any attention to it. When it came, when it came out, Ohio State was one, Virginia was two, Tech was three. And then now, Tech is one. Ohio State's two, and Virginia's three. I'm sure Ohio State and Virginia just love that we leap them we without having completely. done Completely. Yeah, this feel, <laughs> this must be what it feels like to be the Texas Longhorns. I wouldn't doubt it. Deer in football. So, basketball season's upon us. We're in it. We're 6-0, and ranked. Moving forward, I think the Duke game is in a couple of weeks. That's on the 20th, so it's a it's, so it's pretty good weeks. ways off. Yeah. yeah. That's going to obviously be your, your toughest um, 
test of the non-conference schedule. They are unbelievably talented team. You'll be playing them not in North Carolina, which is helpful, but still you're going to have uh, quite the challenge in New York. Great exposure opportunity. Probably not going to hurt you too much if you lose the game, RPI or ratings-wise. You get to see Zion Williamson up close and personal. You get to see what a national title contending basketball team looks like. All good things if you consider yourself a contender or on that kind of path. Great experience, especially going into the conference play when you're going to have to face teams like Kansas that have, you know, maybe not a Zion Williamson, but have some some guys. Really, some really popular apparel companies. Adidas? Yeah. <laughs> There's also three games sandwiched between that Memphis and Duke game, and they're all three in Lubbock. The, so, the, there's one against Abilene Christian and the Coliseum. I'm interested to go to that one because I went to the Rice game in the Coliseum right. last season, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, this will be their one of the farewell things of that Coliseum. There was that's a, on the fifteenth. Mm-hmm. There was a Cyber Monday deal. I don't know if it's still going. You can get tickets to that game for five dollars. I should have checked that out. I should have snagged a couple or three. Right, and then the other two are on Wednesdays: Arkansas Pine Bluff and Northwestern State. And Arkansas Pine Bluff was that uh, Cinderella team from a couple years ago, weren't they? That sounds familiar. I think I think they were. Anyways, okay, we've gone on long enough without actually getting into football, coaching search. This is why you, you've all tuned in. We had to get some basketball in there so you could talk to your friends and tell them how, um, how knowledgeable you are about the basketball team, how much we know. But we discussed this in the open. You are looking for a new head football coach. There were lots of mixed feelings going from the end of the season. There were some... I will say some some tension, some saltiness, some tempers flaring, even within our our contributor Slack chat, <laughs> probably. And uh, I will say that was mostly my fault. I uh, no, I didn't troll Keith. I was. I worded something insensitively on on the Twitter, and. Uh, it was inflammatory, and Keith let me know it, <laughs> um, which is fine. I'm, I'm not calling out Keith. Um, we, we we've talked about it. We're you know. Oh yeah, all is well. We're, we're good. We're, there's we're, there's yeah. We're, there's no thing. We're gonna go. Out there's to, no beefs. We're gonna go grab lunch next week. Shoot, yeah. I I maybe Mexican food buffet. I may be paying for Keith, but. <laughs> We'll see. It's awfully nice of you. Um, but yeah, there, there was there was a lot of uh, differing opinions, even even amongst ourselves, the six of us, about what should happen with Kingsbury. Um, and it seemed like even though a lot of us were in agreement, kind of about Kingsbury probably needing or not needing to be, but it being the right move, the closer we got to it actually happening the more volatile us as a group got. Yep. And I think that we got antsy. I think that affected everyone on Twitter, on, Mm -hmm. on staking the plane comments. uh, 
it was like that like everyone was on eight an to edge. ten hour span from end of the game Saturday until you went to bed. Yeah. Right? And then you get up Sunday and then you hear, okay, there's there's a meeting between Hokut and Kingsbury, and there's a press conference this afternoon. Like, okay, it's happening. There were but people that Saturday when we didn't know it was happening. Right. When we didn't know which which was when we recorded our podcast, which somehow we we made it through without without going out of pulling our you know, I was gonna say pull our hair out. I I don't have any hair to pull out. But they were the the issue with it too was just you had three different versions. You had people who were just adamant after that game, all right, he should be fired. He should have been fired a long time ago. Whatever. Then you had the other people, no, he needs to stay. There were so many injuries. And then you had the other group of people that were that could see both sides of it and say, uh, well, if he had if he had beaten Kansas and Baylor or Kansas State and Baylor, then this would not be a question. And that team just did not show up. But he didn't, and he's had the injuries. And you know, you could just kind of look at it if and so I was in that camp of the if Hokut came out and said all right, we're going to go for one more year. I would have been fine with it. But at the same point, I would have totally understood why people weren't. And I copped out on the podcast on Saturday just saying, hey, whatever Hokut decides is, okay, that's what I'm going to roll with and just kind of take myself out of the equation. But it was hard. It was hard to do. Yeah, I was – I guess I was talked into being – yeah, I would be okay if Hokut came out and said, we're going to try this one more year. Right, and you had to talk yourself up to that point. Cause you I were, definitely did. Yeah, because you were was, pretty much, you were pretty after much out Kansas on him. State. I was like, it's time. Yeah, and I was too for about twenty four hours, and then I hopped back on. <laughs> you got right back on. I yeah. was, I was ready. I was ready to go. I was ready to sign him an extension. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's let's beat Baylor and get a bowl game, and everything's going to be fine because everyone was injured. Let's just pretend that's all it was and and move on. But that wasn't the case. Uh, he didn't help his case at all by losing those five in a row, losing the last two especially. I've, I've said probably many times, but the day he was hired, I gave him seven years. He had a This is a random he, number. Like, he had a Michael McDonald contract for seven years. He didn't know it. He never signed it. He never saw it. Which was December 12, 2012. 12-12-12. And I just immediately was – you know, this was after all the Tuberville stuff, and I thought, okay, just whatever, whatever happens. If we go three and nine, if we go two and ten, seven years of it, let's do it. Let's just. There's no way good, you would have stayed good on talent cleanser with and, two but, and ten and three and no, nine for no, seven I years. I don't think so. You say a lot of things in the heat of the moment, but I I come back to that just kind of saying I had that number in my head this whole time, and if it had gotten to seven even after this really poor performance these last couple of games, I definitely would have been fine with it. And I completely would have understood why everyone, you know, the people that were ballistic would have been ballistic for it. Yeah. I would have been absolutely more, let me say, I would have been a lot more upset had Hokut come out on Sunday and said, we're going to give Kingsbury one more year if Bowman played 11 games this season. Mm-hmm. That's true. And you had the same results. That's true. I was I was willing to to flex a little bit there with all three quarterbacks missing significant time with injury or having to play and obviously not be 100%. Um we saw all three play all three of them played 
with significant injuries throughout the season. I mean, the week leading up to Kansas State, apparently Jet Duffy didn't practice very much. He was on crutches that week. Right. Uh, We saw Alan Bowman come back from the West Virginia lung collapse to play against, eventually playing against Oklahoma, and wasn't totally himself. So, no, he, he didn't play very well in, in, in Ames. It was Ames. And Ames the, was where he came and, back. And the next week, he played against Oklahoma, and he re-injured it. We saw McLean Carter come back against TCU. Last of the series, came back against Baylor. Very first series, he he doesn't re-injure his ankle, but he does something to his ankle where he can't he can't even plan. Like, he was throwing like, with one leg. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, if – if Hoka had come back and said, yeah, we're going to give him another year, I would have been, I would have been able to talk myself into it. That's not how it happened right now. Texas tech is looking for a new head coach. Um, do you want to get to candidates first or you want to get to some of these stories first? Let's do stories. Okay. Let's do stories. There was a, a, a tweet on the Twitter and I'm sorry. I don't remember who said it. I don't even know if they're with the media organization or not, but they said this has probably been one of the nicest firings you'll ever go through or you'll ever witness because both sides had nothing but good things to say about the, so Hocutt really, he never took a shot at Kingsbury. No, he just talked about the program itself, uh, you know, striving for more success and getting back to that elite status, which we can argue over whether there ever was an elite status to begin with. But but that word elite may come into play. I think it will. Uh, with the uh, the coaching hire. Hocutt handled the press conference very well. He One thing I liked that he did was just kind of walk through the process, which I didn't know I needed. But I, I enjoyed that he just started by saying exactly the steps, you know, that he talked to the to President Skuvenek and mm-hmm. – on Saturday night and then he talked to Cliff on Sunday morning and then he talked, he met with the team on Sunday morning and then there was with a, Kingsbury, right with the, with Kingsbury. And then there was, or I think he met with the staff first, then the team and uh, then had the press conference. Basically that was his Sunday morning. There was also a tweet rumoring that Kingsbury had given the, the team is personal self number if they needed anything or wanted to talk or anything like that, which I don't doubt. I don't doubt that either. That's, that seems to hold some water there. So I feel like, uh, you know, Hocutt handled the press conference. Well, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Just the steps that led to that point. The fact that he mentioned that all the last three seasons were really what weighed his decision. He didn't bring it down to one game or two games or something like that, that makes you feel a little bit better, especially if you're the one getting let go, mm-hmm. that you can't look back and say, well, if I would have beaten Baylor, then I wouldn't be fired right now. But the reality is if he'd have, Which it, if, if we would have beaten Baylor in Kansas State, I really think he'd still be here. It also takes out the, the injury situation from this season. He, when he says, I looked at the past three seasons. Right. And it was a pattern of inconsistency. It was a phrase he kept using, which is an oxymoron in and of itself. Right. <laughs> if there's a pattern, then it's, it's consistent. There's no such thing as an inconsistent pattern. 
when he's looking at three seasons, you're looking at much more than the three quarterbacks that played this year, right? He's looking at a year with Patrick Mahomes, a year with Nick Shimanek, and then the three guys we had this year, you know, if you're looking at the quarterback position. And he said there were those inconsistencies in terms of discipline and, what do you say, focus? It was in that um, in that interview he did or on the radio show on Wednesday before the Baylor game. But here we are. Yep. And and you know I I could sit here and glow about Cliff Kingsbury and how you know how highly I right. think of him. Sorry, that, uh, that, that's where we we're, we're talking about how nice of a a cordial of a break this was. Right. Hookup was very had good things to say about Kingsbury, how he left the program. And then when Kingsbury, like when it was his turn to make a move, like he took out one, he, he spoke with the players, he gave him his personal cell phone number and then placed a full page ad thanking the community for all, all their support over the past few years. Yeah. You don't get both sides being this complimentary when you fire somebody. Right. This is, this almost has a feel like, like he died or something. It's close. It's, it's kind of a memorial type situation. And one of the best ones came from uh, Chris Beard hmm. who had the, he had a photo of, of Cliff at the side of, I'm sorry, I keep calling him Cliff. He had the photo of Kingsbury at the side of one of the NCAA games, giving him a big high five. And then under that, photo he tweeted every day i talk to our team about successful people with work ethic toughness dedication loyalty integrity discipline and unselfishness tomorrow i will talk about my friend cliff and that was one of those things that you you don't always see that that felt kind of funeralistic you know that felt like something that someone would say in a memorial or in memoriam but it's it's been uh it's it's gone probably better than i thought it would even knowing how much Cliff cared for the university and wanted to win and knowing how much Hokut cared about Cliff and wanted Cliff to win. So it's not a complete surprise to see it end the way it has and to see it unfold the way it has, but it's been definitely a unique scenario. You're not going to see this in other places. No. And it leaves the door open for uh, Kingsbury coming back in 2027. Gosh, you guys got to drop that. Like, come drop back. It. No, whatever. We're gonna we're gonna roll through a couple of coaches, and then he'll he'll come back in, swoop swoop down from the NFL, and and save us. It'll be fine. But speaking of glowing, glowing letters, and and uh, you know, a lot of people have written some really great stuff. I think the favorite one I've seen was from our friend of the show, Rob Bro wrote a, a good letter on 1340thefan.com. You can follow him at Rob Bro Show. And he he wrote that on Saturday within an hour or so of the game. And uh, y'all should go check that out. That's that's a pretty good letter. Kind of a thank you letter to Kingsbury. Reflects a lot of what we've discussed already and you know brings up brings up some of the no, I wouldn't say negatives, but some of his uh, some of his downfalls as on on just mainly on losses, not as a person or anything like that, but just 
kind of brings up why this was happening, at least acknowledges it, but uh, really speaks to how much he changed his culture. And I've, I've been talking about this with my friend Adam. The good news about this, if there is such a thing, is it's not like whoever the next coach is is walking into some dumpster fire of players who can't wait to leave. And, you know, you know we're going to have transfers. People are going to transfer. People are going to decommit. But it's not as if there's just a ton of that good old word attrition that everyone likes to use. There's not that floating around the locker room. People are sad. They're sad that he's he's left, but he's he's got a steady program and a steady group of guys. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to take a complete huge overhaul to uh, to bring in another group. It's going to be tough, but it it it's a different scenario. Yeah, and before we, we we talk about some of the candidates, I want to talk. We want to mention that uh that article that he he had placed in the AJ or the the letter, whatever. Mm-hmm. He also tweeted it out. Um, that tweet from his account. One, his 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 Twitter account, his handle is still at TTU Kingsbury. His profile picture is him at a podium on like Big Twelve Media Days with the Texas Tech helmet. And then his uh, his cover photo is a painting from Baron Batch, which is legacy. So like he hasn't changed his Twitter account. He hasn't gone um, scorched earth and like taking everything Texas Tech off his, his Twitter account. I fully believe him to. I mean, he'll have to do that when he gets hired. Sure. I would imagine he'll have to change that handle to. He'll have to drop the TTUs or something. Uh, and probably change some photos, but yeah, you're right. It's, he's not, it's, it's just a very unique situation. It's a parting of ways. It's as close to that as, as you can get, as opposed to just a straight up firing, which I think is what makes it so sad, right? There's no, like, yes. <laughs> there's no, like, you know, like they, there are probably plenty of people that are angry with him, but there's, there's no like attacks. There's no like backbiting. There's no animosity. So it's like, I'm not sure how to feel, but really sad. Yeah. He didn't bring, uh, he didn't bring scandals with him Mm-mm. there. There's no off the field reason to have animosity towards him as a coach and want him gone and want bad things to happen to him. Or I, th- there's none of that. And it is just one of the most. That's what that's what makes it sad because it's like he knew it was coming. Hoka knew it was coming. Neither of them wanted it to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Here we are. So the tweet just says "thank you" hashtag wreck. I mean, he's got the picture in it from like it's the letter that he wrote. That tweet has more than eleven hundred replies, more than six thousand retweets, and thirty three thousand likes. Jeez, I didn't know that. Yes, I've got another article. I won't. I won't read them all, or I, I don't know if I'll read any of them. But courtesy of Rob Bro, once again, thirteen forty, the fan. He compiled uh, several tweets from current and former players, just uh, singing singing Kingsbury's praises and telling him thank you and thank you for taking a chance on me and 
that they know that he's going to be great wherever he goes. But you had uh, Dakota Allen, Jashawn Johnson, Allen Bowman, uh, Tejon Henry, Terrence Steele, Colin Hill, Travis Bruffrey, Dawson Deaton, Des Smith, Jack Anderson, uh, Gio Pencotti. I, I know that's not his – I forgot his actual real name. Clayton Hatfield, Jacob Hines, Preston Gordon, Tony Jones, Sterling Galbon, uh, J.D. on high. You had you had a bunch of players, and that that was just who Rob was able to grab for his his article. There may have been some more, and then of course Pat Mahomes and Davis Webb, Bradley Marquez, and Brandon Jackson chimed in too. That they're just just a Jason lot of tomorrow did Jason Morrow did. I didn't see that one. Uh, I know that there was a lot. Uh, I think Amendola said something. So. Uh, Amaro's was actually kind of cool. He said that he used to race Kingsbury to see who would be the first one to the building. And he said he always lost. <laughs> Which, again, is another another testament to Kingsbury's work ethic that he was... Can't he, dispute it. He wouldn't even let like a player get to the facility before him. <laughs> well, I, I just wanted to kind of read those in case y'all didn't know. But yeah, if you go to 1340... Rob Bro's got a good article about that. Uh, just kind of has all of their thoughts and what they think. Just a very unique situation. Yeah. We haven't done it yet, and we're not prepared to do it right now, but we'll need to talk about the seniors on this team that will be leaving the program through graduation. Um, guys like Dakota Allen and Deshaun Johnson and like that, just – Players like that and, and their impact with the team and what that's going to look like. It may be a week or two before we can get to it because we're expecting news on the coaching search probably before we record again next week. I would think so. Something would have to come out, but but who knows? It, yeah, I, It's bowl no season. I, I'm just not sure. What's conference championship week? Yeah. So with that, let's get to some candidates Let's talk about everybody. All right. What little time we've got left. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so Keith helped us compile this list. It changes by the hour. Um, currently, it's broken into tiers. I don't know how how accurate the tiers are. I was going to go through like my most likely to most unlikely. I Even that would, would just, it would be inaccurate in like an hour. Oh yeah. So we're just going to stick with the original format here. Tier one, tier two, uh, various unconfirmed media suggestions. Um, other candidates that have been thrown out by guys that are, have some inside knowledge of the program. And then, uh, my favorite category is God help us all. (laughs) So tier one, Jim Levitt, he's currently the, Defensive coordinator at Oregon, at Oregon, he was Hokut's linebacker coach, position coach at Kansas State when he was a player there. He, I guess, most famously or infamously is known for his time at USF, where he was let go after helping turn that program around. Well, I think he started it from the ground up, basically. Yeah, I, I don't know much about his time there besides. He was eventually let go after some allegations of physical altercations with a player. Um, so there's there's a, there's a 
that kind of drama and baggage you'd have to get over. But he, um, Hokut knows him personally. There's obviously a, a connection there. While we did throw out the, uh, the flight tracker conspiracy, there was a very sleuthing, sleuthful Red Raider fan <laughs> that pulled together some flight information that may suggest that Jim Levitt may have been, I don't know how many times I can, I can qualify this, that Levitt may have been the first interview with Hokut for the position. There was a, um, a flight that left from Lubbock to Scottsdale, Arizona, which is apparently the hotbed of Texas tech coaching. Yeah, there's right a, now. a lot of, a lot of flights to Scottsdale from Lubbock too. Landing within minutes of a flight, also landing in Scottsdale, coming from Portland, Oregon, which would be one of the nearest airports from Eugene, Oregon, home of the Oregon Ducks. So that would have been on Sunday or Monday. I, I can't remember the timeline. It's it's been a, a blur. Um. Also, from people that would consider themselves insiders and have inside knowledge. Levitt may also be really close to being named the head coach at Colorado. So if Levitt is the the target, there's going to be some negotiations and some bidding wars between Texas Tech and Colorado. Levitt's one of those play one of those candidates where I think a lot of people are like, uh, eh, what let's let's not. There there's enough baggage there that you don't want to kind of wade into that and there's not really enough excitement to to want to face that i don't think so either he's also on the on the upper end of age of all of these these candidates um maybe i mean not like bill snyder old but not not matt brown old either nearing retirement age yeah he's he's 61 but matt brown's 67 did you know that well and he also been retired for almost a decade no, he's been five years. Oh, okay, half a decade. <laughs> she round up. I did. Another guy that has been mentioned as a possible candidate, although there hasn't been any kind of substantiation to Texas Tech is act, is actively pursuing him is Matt Wells, the head coach at Utah State. I think his program has gone ten and two this season. There's been some. There's actually a discussion I was kind of following on Twitter between uh, Hyatt and a friend of Hunter Cooks talking mm-hmm. about the the coaching performance and swings of, of Matt Wells at Utah State. Was it Alan Corbin? No, it was Kyle Jacobs. Alan Corbin, if, if y'all want to read a little bit more about uh, Matt Wells, we follow each other on Twitter, and, and Alan wrote something for Ryan Hyatt's the Raiderland.com. And uh, he, he, he lives in Utah. He does now. Yeah. So he kind of has a, a little bit of an insight into it. And he talked a little bit about Wells and how, how well he's done. Huh? Huh? Sorry. Uh, anyway, they, uh, they're 20th in the country in passing offense. Uh, and they're 35th in rushing. 
So they are a pretty balanced attack, and they and average do, do both very well. They do, and they average forty-seven points a game, which is only behind OU and Alabama with a very balanced attack. That's kind of something to consider. Uh, and you know he he's got a lot of com- competition in the area, I think. And uh, Corbin was even saying that they've done such a good job in Logan that they've surpassed the Cougars in success and even in talent. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't that sold on him. I'm still not quite sure, but he's kind of, he's merging on my list of acceptable hires, <laughs> but I'd still would like to know a little bit more about him. But that out, that article from uh, Corbin is really, is really helpful. He just kind of runs down through a lot of things that, can sway you one way or another. Yep. But like I said, it hasn't, I don't think his name has seriously been mentioned as a, as a candidate or a, right. A, um, a target of, of hookups just yet, but he's one of the guys that is having a lot of success at the power five level that would be considered for a lot of power five. Sorry. He's having a lot of success at the group of five level. Going to be considered for power five positions there. Right. Another guy that gets thrown out there a little bit, not sure where it's coming from, but Todd Graham. I'm just going to say no. Yeah. To he and his uh, Britney Spears headset microphone. I believe you mean Garth Brooks. <laughs> Garth Brooks microphone. It, it it It's a better shot if I called a... Britney Spears. I read today. I read today one of those. Does this make you feel old things that 20 years ago today hit me, baby, one more time debuted? Oh my gosh. So there's your Britney Spears trivia. Yeah, that's a while ago. Does Um, it make you feel old? Yeah, it does. I'm I'm not. It does? I mean, I'm not that old. (laughs) That's what it's supposed to do, I guess. (laughs) Um, I haven't done a whole bunch of research into Todd Graham. I just know, like, no. he was marginally successful at Utah State, but also had a lot to do with. Sorry, not Utah State. That was Matt Wells, Arizona State. Um, that may have had to do with just timing with the. That his best year was his first year too, yeah, being down or, and and playing with previous coaches' team. The other guy that I think is been like really intriguing to follow this because it got thrown out there by some like the the very first few tweets of it were from people that you would be like "Uh, I don't why would he ever have anything to do with that but Bob Stoops yeah there's been some smoke around that and it's gaining traction interestingly enough he's also Bob Stoops has been linked to the possible opening at um at Auburn Except Bob Stoops has come out and said, no, not going to Auburn, not interested. Like, absolutely, unequivocally just denies everything about Auburn. Well, there there isn't hasn't even an said, opening yet. Yeah, but he hasn't made mention of Texas Tech. He hasn't said no. There have been reports that Texas Tech has offered Bob Stoops a job, which is interesting that, like, it happened so quickly. But it was one of those things that we were, we were kind of mentioning earlier. I don't know if it was on the broadcast or on the, the podcast or not. Without an athletic director, 
Hokut could do all of his communication with Bob Stoops without anybody knowing about it. That's right. That's direct, direct contact, cell phones, whatever. Like nobody would know about it until it's done. And like, oh, look, Bob Stoops is the new head coach of Texas Tech, or, or not. Well, and Stoops was the defensive coordinator at Kansas State, which is something that like while Hokut was a player there. Right, because so Jim Levitt and then somebody else that that's been tied to the Texas Tech opening, Brent Venables, they keep saying, "Oh, well, you know, Hokut's got these ties to him. He was a, he played with Venables, and he was his roommate, and he was coached by Jim Levitt as as the linebackers coach." And then Stoops is kind of like gaining traction, like, "Well, he was a defensive coordinator, right, for Hokut while he was at Kansas State." And Hokut has had him on his weekly show that he started this fall. Where he also mentioned, Stoops mentioned that he was, he was missing being in a coaching position. Yep. So, interesting thoughts to, to that with um, possibility of Bob Stoops coming to Lubbock. Beyond just some tweets of like, hey, this could happen. Hey, it could happen. Yeah, yeah, of course it could. Um, that's probably one of the ones that would be most exciting to a large group of the fans being that he had so much success at Oklahoma. You would hope that maybe he wouldn't bring his brother as a defensive coordinator. Well, he's available. He he is available since Lincoln went ahead and fired him this season. The next, I guess, group of coaches to consider uh, one would be Brent Venables. We, we've kind of talked about him. This is the one where he has made a statement about his possible interest in staying at Clemson. A very analyzed statement. Yes. Very um, measured response here. Right. Where if you read it like and, and interpret some tone here, could be quite fiery. I don't know Venables... Outside he's, of just, he's a DC. He's probably a little fiery, <laughs> but he doesn't say no. He's not interested, or he's not interviewing, or he will not like entertain the idea of becoming the Texas Tech head coach. What he does say is is a quote. Just so people understand where I'm at right now, my son Jake is here. He's chasing a dream. I sold this dream to him. So Jake is his son that's a freshman linebacker for Clemson. Right. My responsibility as a dad is to support him for as long as he wants to chase his dreams. Who I am, who, who am I to be a hypocrite regardless of what opportunities are out there? I'd never compromise the integrity of my job for other opportunities ever. That's not who I am. So, yes, he's... Sounded pretty definitive to me. Definitive in saying, at this time, whatever that period of time is, he's going to be at Clemson. I don't know if things could change that, whether it be his son says, Dad, it's okay, you can go coach somewhere else, you can go get a head coaching job, or Dad, I'll transfer and follow you, even if it means playing at Texas Tech. I doubt that one. But it's one of those things like, so you're saying there's a chance. There's, there's not a definitive no, but he's also, there's enough there that you would say he's not coming. Well, I'm, I'm kind of of the, 
which is fine. Into that, I, yeah, I, I definitely read into. I'd never, I'd never compromise the integrity of my job for other opportunities ever. Which I'm not sure what he means by that. Does that mean? I mean that that still sounds like a no to me. Or I think a lot of people are taking that as, well, when this season, when we're when we've played our last game, maybe I'll reconsider. But right. I, it seems awfully. It seems like a very large no to me without actually saying it. Yeah. The the other thing to, to your point there, Michael, uh, with Venables because he's still coaching a successful program that will be playing into January. If you were to take that statement as I'm not going to interfere with my current coaching responsibilities to pursue another one, you wouldn't legitimately have a shot to interview and have his attention until after Clemson is out of the playoff. Right, which is way beyond what we would be comfortable with doing with early mm-hmm. signing, all that kind of stuff. Yep. So another guy, um, kind of in the Matt Wells, Todd Graham boat of not really being talked about a whole bunch, but still kind of possible, is the head coach at Memphis, Mike Norville. Norvell. I, Sounds I, good. I can't pronounce names. Um He's he's finding some success there. He was oh I'm I'm, I'm blanking on his past. What, was he recently with Arizona State as well as like a position coach or a he coordinator? was uh, I actually had this pulled up a second ago and then now I've lost it. Way to go! Gosh, way to go! Good good job. I really need to fire that temp. He was with uh, Arizona State. That's right. Yeah. For let's see one for two different years. As an offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, and then he got promoted to deputy head coach. Deputy head coach? From 2014 to 2015. And then 2016, Did he, he started at Memphis. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he got a star. <laughs> but this is his first head coaching job at Memphis. And he's been there just since 2016. His overall record is 26 and 12. Uh, they did win. The AAC West Championship this year and last year. He's only 37. So he's a, he's a couple years younger than Kingsbury. Yep, and he's currently making $1.86 million plus incentives. Which you could double that easily. Yep, and his contract expires 2021, so there would be some sort of buyout from somebody. Well, I guess not. I don't know. I don't know how that works if you leave voluntarily. But it's. I uh, think the school that hires you is typically on the hook for the buyout. So other other guys to to discuss would be, well, here's the interesting thing. It seems like the two guys that were widely discussed as being the front runners, or if and when Kingsbury is fired, these two guys could be at the top top of the list. What for the? You mean for like the last year and a half or so just kind of everybody yeah, yeah they came up last year and they came up again this year almost immediately said they're not being seriously considered it was like it was interesting that, that, that those two individuals were singled out as if it was a misdirection like day one like no yeah. we're not and obviously we're talking about seth Luttrell, the head coach at north texas and neil brown head coach at troy who previously was so both of those guys have coached for texas tech before Neil Brown obviously was the offensive coordinator under Tuberville. Seth Luttrell was a running backs coach, I believe running backs coach. Yes. Under Leach. 
um, played fullback at Oklahoma. Looks like a football player. Looks like a mean dude. Both of them are having success at their programs. Latrell, I don't think he's going to last very much longer at North Texas before somebody takes him. I think he just signed an extension, but which just means to twenty twenty one. But that's not that doesn't mean much anymore. <laughs> but it, 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 what that says to me is the Power Five school is going to get him. It's going to be paying him, right? Like he's going to be making a lot of money at that next step. So, like I said, both of those guys pretty widely considered to be front runners for consideration were both kind of tossed out on Sunday. It was like, no, they're not being seriously considered. It's like, well, that's interesting. And maybe it was a misdirection. We don't know. Or maybe they were really just trying to go for a a, a bigger hire before talking to these guys. Sure. And, and I, they're on the same level of, uh, oh, Wells for me. Kind of the okay. If this is who we go with, I'm, I will be all right. Uh, I've I've come around on Latrell. I talked with Adam a little bit about it, and he convinced me that that he's a pretty tough, hard scrabble guy that would fit really well in West Texas. And just kind of, uh, he's I mean, he's only forty. He's, he's a young guy. He can and you would likely get some former Texas Tech players that are currently on his staff back with you. Graham Harrell's offensive coordinator. Uh, Joel Falani, I think, is a wide receivers coach. That's right, he is. Um, so so that, that would that would be a welcome thing. Uh, Neil Brown, I've I've come around on that a little bit. I've made a couple of jokes about. I'm not sure if we want the guy that was running draws on third and twenty coming back. Of, a, a lot of horizontal passes in his offense. But yep. I think, but you can't dispute his success at 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 Troy. It's, no, because it's he, been he, nuts. He's gone thirty four like, and sixteen. He beat uh, a really highly ranked LSU there mm-hmm. in Death Valley. They beat, um, or he was really close to beating Clemson, I think. Yeah, it was Clemson. Uh, and he's doing it not like in an air raid style where you're just outpassing and outscoring. Like they were out physicaling <laughs> yes. these teams. They were being super physical, which you don't think is a an, uh, an ability of a, a smaller group of five school to go up against like a Clemson or an LSU and just out physical them. Because we've seen when Texas tech played LSU in the bowl game, it got ugly. It did fast. It got ugly fast. And his, his Troy Trojans, you know, the first year he, he took them on, they went four and eight, but since then they've gone 10 and three, 11, two, and they're currently nine and three. And there is, I believe a, former Texas Tech player on that staff as well, or at least there used to be um, on the offensive staff. And I'm blanking on it. I, I think he was an offensive lineman for Neil Brown here at Tech, like on the fringes. And I'm blanking on his name. One of the bigger tall, obviously they're all big and tall guys, but like. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to tell you. I, I'm having trouble finding it. I'm going to look that up really quickly. The other two guys on this, this kind of level uh, that – May have been tossed out as as possibilities, but again, not really hearing much. Maybe because we need to get through the the biggest names first. Are Scott Satterfield, who's the current head coach at Appalachian State, um, he's been doing really well. Obviously, to be mentioned for Power Five jobs. I think the biggest holdup with him is I think App State is his alma mater, and he's he's having success there, and I think he's happy there. So it would be difficult to pull him away. Yeah, he was a quarterback there 
from 91 to 95. And they're in the same – there I didn't even realize this. They're uh, in the Sunbelt Conference, which is the same conference as Troy. And I kept seeing that Troy was tied for first in Sunbelt, and apparently that's who they're tied with is Appalachian State. He's 50 and 24. That's a .676 winning percentage. That's uh, it's ridiculous. That's pretty good. The other guy that that is on that list is Dino Babers, the head coach at Syracuse, who is a, a running backs coach for Art Bryles at Baylor. Right, uh, till 2011, I believe. Yep, he runs a similar offensive scheme to Kendall Bryles, the veer and shoot, as they call it. Um, sorry, I'm looking. It was Matt Moore. So Matt Moore was the offensive line coach under Neil Brown. He's there now. That's not who I'm thinking it was. I think it was a uh, like a grad assistant. Of course, I'm not going to find that on their website because he's no longer there. <laughs> but it was like, um, oh, it's, it's going to take too, too much research, but I'm going to look into it. Okay. Well, I can talk about Babers a little more because. Please do while I do this. I, he's uh, He's been coaching, in, or he started as a grad assistant in 84. So he's been here a while. He's, he's been, been in the game for a while. He's, uh, he's 57. He was born in Hawaii. He played at Hawaii, was a running back and defensive back, and just worked his way up. Started as a grad assistant, running backs coach, special teams, wide receiver. Just you name it, he's done it. And then he finally got his chance as head coach at Eastern Illinois. They went 7-5 and five his first year. They went 12-2 and two his second year. They made the playoffs both times, as Eastern Illinois is obviously FCS school. And then from there, he moved on to Bowling Green, Took them eight and six, and then they went ten and three. His second year, and from there he was poached by Syracuse. They went four and eight his first two years, which of course would not be ideal. And then currently, they are nine and three. So as a head coach, he's fifty four and thirty five. He's only on his seventh year as a head coach, but he's been coaching since the early eighties. And at first, I thought, well, this guy's great. And I've, I've seen some of his stuff on, on Twitter, just some speeches he's given to his, his, his players, and it just seems like everybody loves the guy. And then I kind of got worried about, well, he's, he's jumped around a lot. But then you look at the fact that, yes, he has jumped around a, a, a little bit, but he's 57. If he were to come to Tech, you could think and hope that he would – he might want to try to settle in a little bit and, you know, establish establish something here and, and, and not light off to the next thing. But then there's always that same argument that I've come around on. Well, if someone's trying to poach your coach, that means you had a great season. You and were doing something No right. matter what happened, you still had that great season. So if, if, you, if you did something crazy and you went like 11-2 and two or – or 10-3 and three or, or, or whatever it would be and someone stole your coach out from under you, well – you still had that that season to hang your hat on, and you should be able to have a good foundation to to get going again. So that's not the worst thing in the world, but that was my only thought on it. But at his age, he may not be into hopping around as much, but 
he's an interesting prospect to me, and that's just really been one of those that's just kind of circling around. I don't know if anyone's really tied him to Lubbock at all, but it's a fun it's a fun uh, prospect to think about. I would definitely put him on my list of of guys. I would uh, be you know probably more than just okay with, probably a little excited about. Yeah. So there are a couple, three more guys on my list that I want to talk about that were. Let's as possibilities again, probably not first tier guys. You're probably going to strike out on the on the, your first round before you reach out to these. But the head coach at Toledo, Toledo, Jason Candle. Um, don't know much about him. Yeah, I hadn't heard anything about that. The Arkansas State head coach Blake Anderson, and then the head coach at Boise State Brian Harson. Which, if you're Got your your thinking caps on. He he was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for Texas about six or seven years ago. Oh, okay. It was when it was during one of the years when uh, Tuberville was at Texas Tech. He installed like a super complicated offense at Texas. You know, like, that's not going to work. But they like took a pretty significant step forward in terms of scoring. Um had done really well. I think he was a part of the Boise, the really, uh, he was offensive coordinator at Boise state when they were really good under Chris Peterson. And then obviously he's, he's back at Boise state as our head coach. Um, he would be one of those guys where you would think, isn't that like Matt Campbell, PJ Fleck type of like everybody sees as a really, really great group of five making the step up to power five. Um, he'd probably be one of the guys at the top of the list with Seth Luttrell and Neil Brown. He played at Boise State too. Yeah, so it, the the hard thing would be to get him away from Boise State because he's been yeah. there. He played there. He's coached there as a coordinator. He's been to Texas, um, and now he's back at Boise as a as the head coach. So it'd be difficult to get him there without you know, probably have to money whip him pretty good. The other guy on this list um, was, I guess, the first. Hi, well, Michael's getting excited over here. One of the guys that that got everybody excited early on, and I guess is still a real possibility because nobody's come out and said no about this one, is Dana Holgerson at West Virginia. West, um, by God, Virginia, bring him, bring him here, Virginia. This is one that the more I thought about it, the more I got excited because he's the only one that I'm just legit, he, he legit giddy about. Bob Stoops is like up there for me as well. I can't well. even wrap my head around that. I just, I need to because apparently there's some smoke there, but I, I can't even envision what that would look like. It just seems as if it's something that would never happen. But I guess I should, I should kind of look into it. it. It really may not. Cause and uh, the same with Holgerson, you know, none of, who knows, you know, there's probably some guy we haven't mentioned at all. That's going to be the head coach. Yeah. There, there's a name on this list. that's going to be like next head coach at Texas tech, which is kind of scary. He's like, yeah, I didn't have time to think about that. I know. Yet. And it, it's almost, it's almost like, well, if, if it is a name that's not on this list, we probably should have just kept cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> Don't be there. <laughs> um, anyway, so the longer, the longer that nothing happens with Dana Holgerson at West Virginia in terms of like a contract extension or some kind of public statement that says I'm not interested or haven't been contacted, won't be in consideration for Texas Tech, the more likely this scenario seems to be, I think. Hopefully. Because 
it seems a lot of West Virginia fans, alumni, boosters, whatever, are growing impatient with Holgerson. He's always seemed to be at odds with that school for some reason. I think he's had he's, to coach for his job at least once. Yeah, he's found some success and then kind of slid back and then bounced back up. And then he's been... I think where West Virginia is frustrated is that like he's gotten close, hasn't been able to get over the hump, and then falls back a good bit and then builds back up. The exciting thing is for Texas Tech is maybe you don't have to you don't have to to force his hand that much and say, "Hey, why don't you come to Texas Tech?" It could like, be a mutual situation. It could be something that he's looking. He may be kind of looking out of. West Virginia, uh, there's been arguments made that if you're going to blow it up, you might as well blow it up now because you're about to lose Greer. You're about to lose, I think, Sills, a couple of those really key guys on the receiving core. I think some other seniors that if, if you're going to blow it up, you might as well do it now because it was it next year was going to be kind of a wild card either way. He's – on offense, he's found success when you go into the season like, I don't know how he's going to do it. Like this year, we, we, we doubted Will, Will Greer, and that was stupid of us. But he's always been able to run the ball a whole lot more than air raid coaches. These are air quotes. You don't see them. Air quote, air raid. Air raid coaches. Um, and he's been able to pair it with a frustrating defense. Like he's been able to stop Texas Tech and, and – our version of the air raid. And there's stuff floating around on that guys are kind of fed up with Spavadol. The the Oops. offensive coordinator there. Yeah. Not it, the linebackers coach at Texas Tech, who may be retained if like a Dana Holgerson comes and you can get the brothers together or maybe you, you don't bring that's Bavadol with you. But anyways. <laughs> but but there's some there's some kind of some dissension there that they're they're not enamored with him to the point where they were really hoping that I think some of these guys were hoping that uh West Virginia would somehow pick up Kingsbury to take over Spavadol's position, which, you know, that's that's probably not gonna work. Uh, another knock not- on the Holgerson hire would be stepping into Kingsbury's shoes wanting to make sure that that would be okay. I, I would he didn't imagine have any kind of problems destroying Kingsbury's team. So no, no, of course, <laughs> but it was, that's, you know, that's a little bit different. That's probably not quite as personal unless it's 82, 27, but they, speaking uh, of our, our, our good friends, Sonny Cumbie was in town this, this afternoon. He was, he was talking with the head coach at, uh, at Cooper. Yeah. Cooper high school. They were rumored to have had lunch at the Red Zone. The Red Zone Cafe. Um, anyway, Holgerson excites me. I think he would be a great fit. Uh, if he can recruit to Morgantown, he can recruit to Lubbock. He's been here before. He's been to Houston. He's been yep. to Oklahoma State. He's He's been successful basically everywhere he's gone. And and I think it was one of the Double T guys I was listening to today, they shoot – you know, at another another pro of coming to Lubbock is anytime you need to go somewhere, it's not going to be a five hour plane ride. Yeah, not always. You now, still, have... there's going to be quite a few of those. But you know, if you if you need to go to Fort Worth or Dallas or Houston, 
you hop in a plane for an hour or two and you're there. The the other other kind of upside to to bring in Holgerson is because his recruiting ground for West Virginia has been Florida. He's been able to pull a lot of guys out of Florida. Now, that may be a harder sell, like an easier sell to get to West Virginia than it would be to Texas Tech. But if you're looking to get quality players outside of the state of Texas, Florida would be one of the places you would go. That'd be interesting. I don't know if he would maintain that. Like, I don't have to go to Florida to get guys and just stay here in the state. But, okay, so, so in, for me, in terms of on a scale of excitement and possible, he marks both of those. He checks both of those boxes, right? He's number one in both those categories. I think as exciting or maybe a little bit more exciting to me, but obviously a lot less possible would be Bob Stoops. And then you get a lot of guys like, I could get excited for it. And of course it's possible because it would be a big time promotion for them. And Jim Levitt, Mike Norvell, Seth Luttrell, Scott Satterfield, Neil Brown, Dino Babers, like any of those guys. Like, you could get excited for, and you could talk yourself into it, but I was in the camp of give me Brent Venables, but I think he's uh, he's probably not your your guy. No, I don't think so. I, I think he's he's committed to that. I mean, it's admirable to an extent, really, not to an extent. It's just admirable. If you have the chance to coach your son to a national championship, and you and you leave, and, and before it happens, too. yeah, like, either you would not be a part of that. Yeah, and it does happen. Gosh, just just imagine how sick you'd feel. So I, I think what he said, I think what he said is is closing the door on it, and and I don't blame him at all. So one last category that we need to touch on really just briefly before we get to questions is the God help us all. And I don't understand it because there's too much smoke. There's too many people. We've already laying, discussed the flight patterns. Laying their, their money on it. Uh, I guess the, the guys at Double Eagle, former Mike Leach players, are offering up like to pay the Washington State buyout, to pay the the 2009 wages that they believe Mike Leach is still owed money for some facility that I don't and even would understand still con- like is. would make a con- like a considerable donation to the master facilities. If they were to hire Mike Leach, I just don't get it because there's no way he's coming back there. He made a statement and said it. I mean, it, it, it kind of varies where you look, but basically they didn't pay me in 2009 when we won nine games. They haven't won since. Um, yeah. I have no interest in that. I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. He 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 actually He's texted doing... Pete Christie with KCBD here in Lubbock on Monday night. Quote: Before I would even talk to them, they would have to pay me the money that they owe me for 2009. End quote. Yeah. So what he's doing, he's doing to you what he's do to other schools when he was your head coach. He's shopping around, except he's demanding a ransom just to be just to speak with you, right? <laughs> like he's he's doing he's it. got a he's got an appearance fee of 2.6 million and then he'll sit down and calmly tell you no, no thanks i'm gonna stay at washington state but thanks for the money thanks for the check that's what would happen so he's he's he's, he's firing up the fan he's, he's trolling smart. he's trolling us tech fans yes to get everybody fired up and then ultimately disappointed when it doesn't happen the other guy in this god help us all category would be Anybody with last name Bryles. Agreed. 
there are far too many people suggesting that either Art or Kendall Bryles should be at all considered. Those three, just no. You're you're done. No. Yeah. I I'm I'm with you. I'm not even pretending like I'm not. That's they're untouchable. I think, and they should be. I don't know why this is a why it's a thing. All right, we're gonna get to questions. I don't know how we're gonna do this because we didn't write anything down. We're gonna be reading through Twitter because I guess the tweet I sent out on Monday has like 18 responses to it right now. Yeah, pro- a lot of them are just kind of comments, and we wanted to to read through these and and uh, some of this stuff we may have already answered. I'm not sure, but and we'll, we'll, we'll get to. We'll, it. We're trying to move through it pretty quickly, but. The first one up, Peter Puente. I'm sorry if, if I mispronounce your names, everybody. At Iced Wizard. I want Eclipse to succeed so bad, but his record is what it is. He's under 500 and has had six years. Team was very undisciplined and didn't finish games. He's more OC than head coach, in my opinion. Wish him well, but he was paid very well to not do better. Yep. Preston Rogers, the uh, our guest appearance from last week, my brother. Who... <laughs> Who are you liking as far as candidates, and who is your dream hire? Um, I think one A for me is Dana Holgerson. One B is Bob Stoops. I've got to get, I've and then two is the Bob field. Stoops deal. Yeah, the the field. I, I'd probably put. I don't know. Yeah, the field. The field is really very close. <laughs> Babers might be kind of above Latrell and Brown. Harson, even though Harson's, there's no, there's really no smoke there, and it would be really difficult to get him away from Boise. Yes, it would, and uh, same with the guy from Appalachian State, who I'm already forgetting, Scott Satterfield. Satterfield. I keep yeah. wanting to say Satterwhite because I grew up with some Satterwhites back home, and I and Merkel. Yep, and Merkel, the Satterwhites. Y'all probably know them, but they. That's where my head keeps going. I, I've got to get on board with this Bob Stoops thing being a reality. I, well, possibility or possibility, but Holgerson until he for says me, no, yeah, Holgerson for me is he's definitely who I'm liking the most. I would almost call it a dream hire at this point. I I don't know who I, I don't know who else out there besides realistically Mike Leach would unite the fan base and, and getting everybody excited and and rowing in the same direction again. I I, I don't know how excited. I would be. He, I, I don't know. He, he would have to. Well, he'd have to say some things to make me trust him a little bit more that he's not going to somehow just throw tech under the bus the first chance he gets. Holgerson? No, Leach. No, so I, sorry. I was talking about Holgerson being the the one that would. Oh, outside besides of, Leach yeah. would be the next guy. That well, would and I was just arguing with you that yeah. I don't know Leach wouldn't unite me so much. Not not at first. Okay, yeah. it'd take me a while. I get you. And then the rest of them would be. I I would need to hear a pretty good sales pitch from Kirby why he went that direction. Right. Um, Adele, I'm on the cliff wagon, but it was a done deal with the losses to K State and Baylor. I think we agree with you there. Yep. Winning one of the two might have saved him, but losing both when favored. I, I think actually losing the Kansas State game is what did him in. Losing Baylor may have been like the formality everybody kind of is mentioning. Losing to K-State the way you did, I think that was, was brutal. Nail in the coffin. Thoughts on waiting till January and hiring an NFL OC? I'm going to say no on that. That's way too long to be waiting for a coach. You need to have a new guy in place, 
hopefully before the signing day, because if not, there's no reason for any of the guys currently committed to sign with you. You're right. Now they could they could prolong and just decide that they will. Sign yeah, they could February. just sign later. Um, I I there's nobody on the NFL offensive coordinator stage that I'd want to bring to the college game and feel comfortable with them taking over just a completely different sport, essentially. Because it's not that they'd be coming back as an offensive coordinator from NFL to college. They'd be coming back from an NFL offensive coordinator to a head coach, and that's completely different. It's a different world because you're in, you're in charge of a program. You're in charge of recruiting. Glad-handing boosters. You're doing all that and kind of stuff. Compliance. Yeah. Big plus for recruiting, but skill set doesn't always translate. There, if I'd read the rest of it. <laughs> um, the Testosterone podcast. These are these are other guys that do a Texas Tech podcast. We recently, uh, I must say, connected, started following each other and interacting. Recently, they they do a good show. They're um, they do a weekly show, quite a bit shorter than ours, with four plus guests. I don't know how they do it. They just don't ramble like we do. We're just they're yeah, they're probably a little bit more on topic. They probably are. We wish Cliff the best. He's a Red Raider who loves our school. Came into United Base at a time when we needed it. Hate that it didn't work out. We are excited at Kirby's statement of wanting to build an elite program. We trust him and we're excited for Texas Tech football's future. Yes. So the the elite statement that he made on Sunday is what I think you could tie back to like the Bob Stoops smoke, right? There's nobody on that That's list. That's a good point. That is elite. Maybe Levitt. I, I wouldn't consider him elite. There's nobody else on that list that you would consider elite except for Stoops. Now that may be us drawing a connection when there. That's not what he was meaning, but he repeated it several times in the press conference on Sunday. We want to get back to being elite. We want to be an elite program. Bob Stoops led an elite program. He knows he how to do it. He knows what it takes. He did it the right way. Yeah. Well, in the sense that a couple of a couple of battery assault charges guys that got to just come back and play football. Okay. That yeah. <laughs> a couple sure. there was a couple of those. John Rihanna Thomas, uh, a friend of mine in Florida says SEC admin not their fans. Okay. I'm so I'm going to have to read this before I actually read it. This is the one you were talking about where they uh it's, it's a really nice firing, basically. Oh. Okay, a friend of mine in Florida says SEC admin, not their fans, treat failed coaches like Lubbock has handled the dismissal of Cliff. Pretty cool compliment of West Texas. As for the coach, my money is on the dude at Utah State. This is Matt Wells, who won 10 games, or Dana Holgerson. Prefer the latter. Yeah, I, I think if we're going to, between those two, I would prefer Dana. I would be able to be talked into Matt Wells. I think so, too. Um, if y'all read Corbin's... Corbin's piece on the Raiderland, I, y'all might think the same way. It's 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 a pretty good argument, and he's he's one of a few shows in the area. I think they have a thirty thousand seat stadium, and they only fill it up to about eighteen or nineteen thousand. So if he would have all of Lubbock's attention here, and that that would be a good uh, a good plus for him. He's still winning ten games with. <laughs> So with not a great turnout, those unfamiliar with Utah state, it is in a, a remote part of the state. It is, it's in a, a, a town called Logan. I've actually been there. I toured the campus, almost transferred there. Ah, so I, I was almost a Utah state Aggie after my one year at Texas tech. Anyways, 
that like it's in Cache Valley, and I don't know like a whole lot about the the Utah. I'm gonna say terrain, but what I mean is like the geography. Layout, geography. I don't think there's anything else in that canyon besides Logan, the valley. It's small. It's kind of isolated. It's in north northeast part of the state. It's not. You know, it's a couple hours north of Salt Lake. It's a smaller town, smaller school, and it's geographically isolated. It's a small. It's just everything about it is small, right? Um, so having a thirty thousand seat stadium and not filling it up is not saying that. You know. He's not doing a good job. It's just oh yeah, and I don't think that's like that. That's what that's what's available. Yeah, I don't think that's what Corbin meant either. It was just he's he. It's a small place, and he's still winning ten games. Mm-hmm. It's not a national focus. It's not yeah. It's it's just a different atmosphere there, and he's he's still getting it done. And remember, Dave Aranda was at Utah State at one point. I did not. He was a defensive coordinator a couple years ago there before he went to. Before he went to Wisconsin, he was at Utah State. Jazz, it's been said already all over Twitter, but anyone floating out Major Applewhite, either of the Satan spawns named Bryles or Leach as a possible replacement, need to step away from the bath salts and reevaluate their lives. <laughs> Absolutely. 100% agree. I need to go back and like all these. Sorry, everybody. I'm doing it right now. Um, Nicholas Tam, I think Dana H would be cool, but also wouldn't mind the Utah State head coach. Brent V would be a home run, but it's hard to fathom. Right, and that was – I'm pretty sure he wrote that before That was the, at least a day ago, so maybe it was even on Sunday. Yeah, it may have been before the – The comment from yeah, Venables. Before Venables made his comment. Otherwise, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think we're, we're in agreement that Holgerson is, is the guy yeah. that we're all excited about. Matt Wells – Again, Utah State up there. Venables was hard to fathom. Probably a lot, lot like how you say Stoops would be a little hard yeah, to fathom. Yeah, I just can't. Just I just can't picture it yet. Cooper Burnett, Dana Mania, hashtag release the flow. Oh wow! I'm assuming he's meaning the hair. But yeah, that's... I hope so. Yeah, I'm on board, Cooper. You, and and one thing that I've mentioned in the Slack chat, I'd have to get Holgerson a, a good hat. Yeah, and I not worry. A visor. You have to get you. Have, you have to ditch the. Visor. I worry about my guy. I I don't want I don't want melanoma. <laughs> I don't want my head coach to have melanoma and be sidelined. I I hope he's at least using SPF fifty or something. Um, I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not going to try to pronounce your name, but it's at LLMJ two. She says, "Totally heartbroken." Now we have to start all over. And how much is that going to cost? In every sense of the word, let's talk about that. Well, one, it, it cost you $4 million yeah. in contract settlement. Could cost Kingsbury. you some recruits. Could cost you recruits. Could cost you current players to transfer. It will cost you possibly a buyout to replace them. Uh, could cost you to drastically increase your salary pool for assistant coaches. Which I think you'd be okay with. Yeah, and I think some of that, uh, some of the donor money could come into play there possibly to help that out, but... It, it's a change. I mean, it's a big change. Uh, could cost you. I mean, if if we get somebody in that has a completely different offensive philosophy, which we have said we wouldn't necessarily be opposed to, could cost you some wins. Could you cost know? you a lot of fans. Yeah, it could cost you some fans. It, it could cost you seats. Selling. Uh, 
you know, selling Su- uh, Susan, what, Susan? Season. Season tickets. <laughs> I was trying to combine student and season, and I don't know why. Uh, it, it's, it's a risk. It's a big risk, which is why a lot of people didn't like it. Yeah. Jill Fultz, his record really doesn't reflect the work he did. I would agree with that. I, I, yeah. I think that's, that's one of the big points. Everybody was like, he's done it the right way. He's put a lot of effort. He's as committed as anybody you're ever going to find to the university. Yep. Unfortunately, that didn't translate into wins. Okay. So back to what she was saying. Sorry, that was my interjection. So many losses by just one to three points or a stupid penalty. He embodies the spirit of Texas Tech and strives for honor. A class act and a true Red Raider forever. Yeah. You're right, Jill. C. Payne at Painfish. If Cliff never played it down at Tech, he would have been gone last year. I think he would have been gone maybe two years ago. That's probably true. Couldn't put it all together. Had Mahomes and managed mediocrity. Yeah, it's hard to look at. Like You had one of the best players, best talents at quarterback you maybe have ever seen. And of course, it's going to continue as, as an NFL quarterback. And you went 12-13 and 13 with him as a starter. Now, obviously, that's not because Mahomes was bad. The offense was great that year. Or, well, they weren't great. Offensive they were, line was bad in yeah. 2015. Yeah. The offense was pretty good that year, but it was because of him. Or 2016. Well, and he even admitted that when our red zone offense just dropped off the face of the earth when Shimonette came on, I think he admitted in an interview that he just kind of got used to Mahomes doing something. Just making it happen. Yeah, just making it work. He goes on to say, had Mayfield, same. Great player, barely okay head coach. So he's going back. He's making these comments about uh, Kingsbury. Great player, barely okay head coach. Look for a Florida or Oklahoma coaching tree to fill the vacancy. You don't get no more Oklahoma than Bob Stoops. (laughs) I'm okay with. I don't know what he means by Florida. Like just the state. Yeah, and and, and maybe that means he's leaning towards Tim Tebow. Levitt. I guess that's a stretch. It, yeah, it would be. It's not. I, I don't know. Like who do you, I don't who know do you mean, C Pain, for Florida? C Pain. Well, that's his. Right, but that just makes me name. think of uh, T Pain. Oh, I got you. Um. Okay, so here's here's somebody that we've already kind of thrown out, but I am Boogeyman says I wonder if Major Applewhite or Captain Applesauce <laughs> might be in the running. <laughs> Bet he would love a shot at moving up to a big-time conference and proving himself. I bet he would, too. Just not here. Nope. There's only one big-time conference. Everyone else is pretty much gets scraps. Thanks, Mark Londo. I'm assuming he's talking about SEC. Oh, I was going to go pack 16, 18, uh, yeah, I don't 12. remember. Um, noted sports appreciator. Sorry, I'm trying to read his... Uh, at Wild Wild Chase says a tough but necessary breakup. Cliff loved the university, and we all loved Cliff. But unfortunately, after six years, the win loss record never really got better. Neil Brown, Dana Holgerson, Seth Luttrell would all be solid hires. Yeah, I would probably flip Neil Brown and Dana Holgerson on your list and be okay with that order. Yeah, I could live with it. Um, Rock Chalk Podcast. Still not uh, sure. This is the- I like this one. KU perspective. Still not sure how your school fired him. Was having a great turnaround season before getting derailed by injuries. Thanks um, again for coming on the pod before the Kansas game, by the way. Or did you go on theirs? Yeah, this is... N- I'm trying to remember 
if I reach out to them, oh, I, I reached out to them to do the interview, didn't hear back, then I reached out to Brian. Oh, okay, okay. Or, or they, sorry, I, I don't, I don't want to like throw them under the bus. Or they responded after it already moved on or something. I don't know. Yeah, I just remember it wasn't. It, it was. Uh, I, 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 I tried to deal. get them on the podcast for the Kansas preview. Um, yeah, I, I like from an outsider's perspective, it probably looks that way that like everything was going well and then we just had injuries. Yeah. And, and like we talked about before was just those last two games, man. If you go back and look at how they went, Texas tech scored six points against Kansas state. One of the worst defenses in the big 12. Uh, that's just really in the game. You were a favored tough to win. pill to swallow. Yeah. You were favored to win by a touchdown in both the Kansas state and Baylor games. I believe I'm not sure what the line closed on, on both of them. So it could have been like five and a half or something like that, but basically a touchdown in both games, lost them both and never really had a chance. I'm, uh, you know, outside of the first quarter, I, I don't want to say that well, you're ahead, you're ahead at halftime against Baylor and then it just fell apart. But anyway, those two games I think are, are what really did him in. Yeah. Richard McNeil, I'm not hearing Eric Morris pop up on anybody's list of potential hires. Won conference in his first year at uh, UIW after one eleven season. Any reason why? I think probably because everybody was a little disenfranchised with him as the offensive coordinator while he was here. Everybody was like, what is he doing? What is what is his role at Texas Tech? Right. Um, yeah, he, he found some success in year one. I, I, I think we mentioned last week he was a part of the pool of, of candidates for the Texas State job. Um, having, having one good year at like a D two school doesn't mean you should ju- jump up to a power five head coach. And, he, and he's, he's only been there a year. So it's not like there's, yeah, he's only been a head a coach foundation a of, of success that he can build on. Um, so that, that's where I, I think he's not being considered because he's just too fresh as a head coach and your last experience with him, like you fired him essentially. Yep. And they're about to play Iowa State now because they did lose their playoff game against Montana State. So I think they will be playing Iowa State this year, and we can see how that would go. Is this a, a Cliff Kingsbury situation all over again? This would be a hiring Eric Morris, lack of experience, or is he shunned as a coach from the Cliff Tree? I would think it probably has more to do with his experience than him being a part of the Cliff Kingsbury coaching tree. Which yeah. is a thing that, that, that exists now. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily a... Uh, it's but, not necessarily a negative thing. But it also includes guys like Matt Wallerstead, Mike Smith, Eric Morris. Yeah. Last one in this thread, it says, uh, this is Brent McKay, parentheses, author. I loved Cliff, but he has one of the worst winning percentages of all time at Tech. Yeah, he's at like 45%. It's not pretty. Yeah, he's right there with more. Almost as bad as more. He won one-fourth of his Big 12 games again. Well, one-fourth is a little low. I think we I think we, we did the math. It was like 35%. It's a little bit better than a third. He was, like, what, 19 and 35? Yeah. Um, it was time for something new. I wish him the best. Yeah, I, I mean, outside of your rounding errors, <laughs> I think we're in agreement there. Um, so there's something 
back to Cliff Kingsbury for one second before we, we, we wrap up. Uh, we went obviously long. If you're still with us, hooray. Gil Brandt um, says the phone of former Texas Tech coach Cliff Kingsbury has been ringing off the hook from NFL teams, including two that have given him firm offers. College offense has infiltrated the NFL. I think we've seen that when there are teams running Kingsbury's plays. Like we saw it on Saturday, and then like the next day or the, the next week, we would see an NFL team run it. Um, and Kingsbury's superb knowledge of it is in high demand. We also saw some tweets about Kingsbury being on the USC campus yesterday, possibly interviewing for the OC position there. That's right. There was some discussion about the offensive coordinator at Alabama moving on to the Maryland job and Nick Saban saying, or basically, you know, having his pick of why would I not hire a guy like Cliff Kingsbury to, of course, to run the offense at Alabama with guys like Tua, Jerry Judy, and the like. The other, the only thing that you would have to, he'd have to get used to, he being a. Saban? Saban would Kingsbury's not going to run it probably as much as he wants to. Having said that, sorry, I, I thought the outro was already playing. I was like, no, I didn't mean to do that. Um, he did have a really successful running game with DeAndre Washington. Alabama's got like DeAndre Washington's coming out of their ears. Uh, in terms of talented running backs. Yeah, they do. So he, he's 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 leaned on a, a talented running back before, um, and he would have that much and more at Alabama. So, Michael, at an hour and 40 minutes, what have, what have we learned? I have learned that Kirby Hocutt – made a lot of connections as a player at Kansas State. <laughs> yes, he did. And that, he, that is really the most I've learned during this process right now. I've learned tracking flights is fun, yet unproductive. <laughs> and very this true. thing is a, um, a very fluid situation. It could change hour to hour. We could be talking about today, talking about how excited we are for Dana Holgerson. It could already be news that we just haven't read yet that I hit publish on this episode and Dana's like, no, I'm not going to Texas Tech. Bob Stoops says, no, I'm not doing that. And we're like, well, those were our two exciting things that we talked about like for 20 minutes on the Yeah, podcast. we were pretty pumped about that. Come on, guys. So this thing changes quickly um, and it will continue to change quickly until we get a here is your head coach announcement. So keep with us. Keep following the Twitter, the Twitter world. Not that I'm, I'm pumping out a lot of information on, on Twitter about the coaching search. You find a lot of interesting things out there. Also be wary of what you see on Twitter. Yep. It's not always true guys. No. Cause we, we would have thought the Kingsbury being fired tweet from Saturday afternoon was off base. And then we thought the Bob Stoops things was off base. I'm kind of contradicting myself and saying, don't believe everything you see on Twitter. Those had obviously great opportunities to be just laughably wrong. Um, but hopefully, I'm excited. Hopefully, we'll have some some uh, coaching news to share when we join you next week. 
But until then, I'm Spencer. For Michael, thanks for joining us this week on the 23 Personal Podcast. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.